0: Well, good morning church family. So glad that you're here in worship today. We're gonna to continue our series in spiritual disciplines that I started a few weeks ago. We're gonna be in Matthew chapter six today. I invite you to open your copy of God's word and turn to Matthew chapter six. We're gonna talk about the spiritual discipline of sol- of, of uh, uh, solitude and silence today. And uh, one of the things that I get asked from time to time is why are there so many denominations? Why are there so many different groups of Christians? And one of the ways that i respond is that, well, you know, we can oftentimes, we can learn from people that we disagree with. We can learn from people of different traditions. Uh, For example, I'm reading a book right now and started it on my sabbatical by uh, a guy named Thomas Akempis. Anybody ever heard of Thomas Akempis? I doubt many of you have ever heard of him. Uh, He was a 15th century monk. Uh, now, this was, this was back whenever there were only Catholics. There was no such thing as Protestants. And he wrote a book entitled The Imitation of Christ. Really great devotional book. In fact, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a classic devotional book. If you just, you just look it up in a classic devotional books, that would probably be one that would, would pop up in, in, in your search. And let me tell you. These monks, these Catholic monks, especially the ones during that time period, they were on to something about silence and solitude that I feel like we can learn from. I don't know that this is a spiritual discipline per se that we talk a lot about usually. Whenever we talk about spiritual disciplines, we really just think about you know reading our Bible and praying. But uh, here's, a, here's a list of the spiritual disciplines that I've been showing you for the past week. And it's this last one, silence, solitude, and Sabbath. Not so much the Sabbath, I'm not really gonna have not really going to have time to talk about that today. But this idea of, si- of, of silence and solitude. And I only mention this book by Thomas Kempis because, man, these guys, these, these monks, especially the ones of that, that time period, they were so disciplined, so disciplined. Maybe we wouldn't agree with all of their theology, but the way that they lived lives of simplicity, the way that, uh, the way that they kind of separated themselves from society maybe a little extreme for us but the way that they did that so that they could commune with god i think is something that we can that we can learn from even if we don't take it uh, t- take it to their level just to give you an idea, by the way, of where I'm going with this series, I'm gonna I'm going kind of backwards. Uh, today, I, I'm talking about uh, Matthew six, silence and solitude. Uh, next week, please don't miss next week. I'm gonna talk about fasting. Uh, usually, people don't get very excited whenever we there's a t- you know t- talking about fasting, uh, but I think this is really important. I think that this the discipline that I'm gonna talk about today and the one that I'm gonna present to you next week. Are two core primary spiritual disciplines that are often lost in our culture, uh, and then of course the last two um, I'll uh, I'll hit in the weeks after that, and then Labor Day weekend uh, I'm going to attempt something on Labor Day weekend. Uh, this next slide I've been showing you every week has to do uh, has to do with what I just call some other disciplines, not. Not not necessarily because they're least important, um, but but I don't really consider them primary as much as I do just maybe just some other disciplines. These I'm I'm going to try to do all four of these in one sermon on Labor Day, and uh, we'll 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 see uh, we'll we'll see kind of how we'll see kind of how that happens. Um, but the topic that we're going to look at today, silence and solitude. I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking. Oh my goodness, silence, solitude, are you kidding me? Except for you introverts. All you introverts out there, you're like, yes, put me by myself with no one around. Now, all you introverts, you're just going to nod your head because you would never shout, amen, uh, you know. But now you extroverts uh, and all of you uh, that, that are that are different than that, you started thinking, oh, my goodness, silence and solitude. And at best, you probably think, this that just sounds boring to get off by myself. But s- some of you might even say, well, that just sounds kind of depressing, you know, to be off by myself. And see, that's where... Yeah, man, Thomas Akempis and some of these, some of these other monks that, uh, that we read about in the 15th century, uh, they, they, uh, they, they were on to something with this. And I think it is so important in our culture, in our day, to learn to slow down find quiet places, peel our, and I don't want to belabor points from uh, from previous weeks, but slow ourselves down and commune with God, and we've got to find it in a place that is away from our regular, everyday life. And so the reason, one of the reasons that I'm doing this one first is because this will be the context in which you practice your Bible reading. This will be the context in which you practice Prayer. This will this will be the environment that you need to seek to establish in a daily and weekly routine. If you're going to be successful with all of the other spiritual disciplines, you have to learn to put life on hold and to get alone with God. If you're going to practice the spiritual disciplines, uh, Jesus practiced this. Mark one thirty-five. Uh, very early in the morning, Jesus got up and left the house. Uh, while it was dark, went to a solitary place where he, where he prayed. Other verses of Scripture uh, have Jesus modeling this, saying that he went to, uh, to a deserted or desolate places. So he modeled this, but Jesus also taught us this. In an unlikely passage, Matthew chapter 6 We're going to see how Jesus, he doesn't use these words, he doesn't use silence and solitude, he doesn't use those words, but the idea uh, uh, is taught all throughout this passage. And so stand with me as uh, as we look at this and read this together. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to start reading in verse 1. And, uh, and then, we're gonna, then we'll skip down to verse 16 in just a minute. But Jesus is going to mention three spiritual disciplines in this passage. Giving, praying, and fasting. Three spiritual disciplines. He's gonna tell us there's a wrong way to do it, which will be the primary thrust of the passage. And then he'll tell us the right way to do it, which really is gonna kind of be my point that I really want to drive home today um, about getting alone with God. Look look at this, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your heavenly Father in heaven. So that one verse sets the tone for, for all 17 or 18 verses that come after that. And he says, thus... When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret, rewards you. And. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues, at the street corners. They may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they receive their reward. But when you pray, go to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now skip down to verse 16. And when you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may be may not be seen by others, but by by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Lord, we know that you see all things. I pray, God, that you would, I pray, Lord, that you would lay our hearts bare today. Lord, you tell us that that's one of the things that your word does—that the secrets of our hearts are exposed. I pray they would be exposed before you. I pray, Lord, like a double-edged sword, uh, God, you would just penetrate us and speak to us, Lord. Speak to your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So I believe I've said this in previous weeks, but there's obviously a public aspect to the way that we practice our faith, and there is a private aspect to how we how we practice our faith. There's a lot of things that we do that are very public, and these things are very very important. Uh, all of you believe in some type of of a public display of your faith or a public practicing of your faith. That's that's why you're here in worship today. That's why you gather with God's people and sing. That's why you go to your life groups and study the word together. That's, that's why you encourage each other in the hallways, form de-groups. That's why you, you volunteer in the nursery or teach a life group or serve as a deacon or a greeter. You do all of those things because you see the importance of us being together. And us being together, that's pretty important, right? Amen? Amen, it's important for us to be together. It's important for you to put your faith on display, to go on mission, uh, to talk about Jesus with other people, to share your faith, to have spiritual conversations. All of these things are things that we do on the outside and they are extremely important and none of us would want to neglect those things. But there's also a private part of our faith with Christ a very important private part of our faith. That if we don't practice that, if, if we don't practice pri- the private parts of our faith, then basically at some point, we're gonna have to ask ourselves, is it really me? Is it, is it really genuine? And of course, that's what this series is all about. This series on spiritual disciplines is how you practice your Christianity privately. A lot of what we tend to hear in sermons and churches, and I do the same thing, has to do with living a moral life or being spiritual, acting religious, all the externals. If we're not careful, we get so caught up in that that we miss the importance of having a private, secret, personal relationship with God. And so if, if nothing else, that's really what I hope that you get out of this series. But there's two pitfalls to this. Two errors, I guess you could, you, you, you could call them, that we have to avoid when it comes to, to, to this topic. Uh, so one error would just be private Christians. It's like, I'm glad you're talking about the spiritual disciplines. I'm glad you're talking about having a private, personal faith uh, because, yeah, that's what I do. I don't, I don't need all that. I don't need all the church stuff. I don't need all the external stuff. I'm not really called to do that mission stuff. I'm not gifted in evangelism. I'm not volunteering. It's, it's everything is just private. Everything is just personal between me and God. You've met people like this, people that say, well, I don't don't have to go to church, I don't want to go to church, I have a personal relationship with God, and that's it. Certainly you know that that's not what we preach and what we teach here. This second error would be hypocritical Christians, and this is the warning that Jesus has given to us in Matthew chapter 6. This is the warning not to be a hypocritical Christian. A hypocritical Christian, at worst, is a person that is attempting or is trying to fake it. I mean, they are they are they are putting forth an effort to try to pretend to be something that they're not. At worst, that's what a hypocrite is. And those people they come up they come across like they're all knowledgeable and they're perfect, but you're a sinner and uh, and they they're condemning. At worst, those are the type of hypocrites that we don't want to be, but a lot of times what happens is, is we end up being hypocritical or acting like a hypocrite and not, not really, not really meaning to. And I think this is what Jesus is warning us about when he talks about those three spiritual disciplines. And And I think that we could apply Jesus's principles, not just to those three spiritual disciplines of praying and of giving and a fasting, um, I, think we could, I think we could apply to all the spiritual disciplines. That there's a right way, there's a wrong way of doing it, and we don't, and I, I, none of us want this. None of us want to get caught up in a Christianity where we've got in this rut and this routine that everything is just on the outside. I study the Bible to friends, I go to worship, I sing songs, I'm in the choir, I teach a life group, I hold babies in the nursery, I do all these things on the outside, live a moral life, everything, but don't have that personal, private relationship with Jesus. That in itself is hypocritical, and I think that's what one of the ways that Jesus is warning us about uh, in these verses. So, uh, beware of being a hypocrite. That's what Jesus first says. He says, "Listen," he says, "It's not that you. It's not that you can't pray." In public it's not that you can't let people know that you have given to something or 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 can't let people know that you're fasting or whatever spiritual disciplines you might do he says just be careful be careful how you do it because you don't want to be a hypocrite and what does a hypocrite want they and it says it right there verse 1 it says, Don't practice your righteousness so that you may be seen by other people. Now, listen, there is a way that we're supposed to put our faith on display. We know that. The Bible, as a matter of fact, if we were to flip back one chapter in Matthew, Jesus said, uh, To let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So, certainly, we want to put our faith on display. Know what Jesus is talking about? The motivation of a hypocrite is they engage in certain spiritual religious activities just so that people will see them, and they do it with the. So that's the that's the wrong way to do these things, and uh, the only reason they're doing it is that they might receive the praise of other people. And so Jesus says, "There's some ways." not to practice the spiritual disciplines. And he tells us, there's, there's, there's a way that you give and a way that you don't give. He says, when you give, don't blow the trumpet, you know. Don't bloviate how, oh, I'm a, I'm a big giver to my church, you know, look at me. No, don't, don't blow a trumpet. Um, he says, you know, do it, do it privately. Same thing with when you pray. Uh, don't feel like you have to heap up empty phrases and, and you don't do it for show. We've got to be real careful about this, and I'll talk about that uh, whenever we get to prayer in a few weeks. And the same thing when you fast. It's don't look gloomy. Let everybody know that you're sad. He says, you know, go and, and, and make yourself up and, and do it in a way that God sees it. And so he says, don't do it this way. And if you do, if, if you're practicing your religion just so that people will see you and affirm you, he basically says, well, that's, that's being a hypocrite. So the word hypocrite. It, it appears several times in this passage. In fact, it appears uh, three three different times the word hypocrite appears in this passage. And not the only time Jesus uses it. Jesus uses the word hypocrite a lot to describe these types of people that just their religion is on the outside. Their motivation is the praise of man. And usually when we see that word, you, well, usually that word, well, usually that word is used of us, right? People who don't like Christians, and so what is the main thing that they say as to why they don't like Christians? Well, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. The truth is, it's not just us; it's all the, it's it's the entire human race. I mean, we all have a level of hypocrisy. I, I mean, how many of you 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 dress up as nice as you can for a job interview, and you talk as, you know, nicely as you can, and you say nice things about yourself, and you would never go into a job interview and say, yeah, I can be pretty lazy sometimes. You know, I I mean, nobody, nobody does that. I mean, if anything, when they say, well, tell us about your flaws, you know, tell us about your shortcomings, what do we typically say? What's the typical answer? I work too much. I tend to be a workaholic, right? We're not going to tell people our flaws when we're uh, interviewing for a job. There's a measure of hypocrisy in that. You want me to tell you one of the most hypocritical things that we see in our society, and these young people right here, they know, social media. I mean, do we really believe that all of our friends live the life that it looks like they live on Instagram, I mean, do we really believe that? In fact, most of the people they don't even look like that. They don't even they don't even look like that. Um, <laughs> I remember one time uh, Kelly and I you know, we we went to, we went to Egypt and we were at the pyramids and there were these young uh, either teenage or twenty something year old girls. They were taking pictures of themselves in front of the pyramids, and I mean, they took. They took many, 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 many selfies in many different types of poses. Well, we got a big kick out of that, and I said, watch this, Kelly, take some pictures of me. And so I stood up kind of where they were, and I started posing in the same way that they were posing. Now, I'm not going to demonstrate that this morning uh, because, you know, I don't, I don't want to frighten any young children here today. Um, but Kelly and I thought that was so funny. They didn't. They, they did not get amused by that at all. And I thought to myself, um, that girl is going to look nothing uh, in, in the picture that she puts on Instagram. Is she's going to look totally different than she does in real life. And there's, there's a measure of hypocrisy in that. I look a certain way. I feel a certain way. I live a certain life. Whatever the truth is, it's just a mask. It's just a mask, and social media is the one of the ways that we do that. It's just a mask. You say, "Well, I don't do that, really." You you never wear a mask at church. You never pretend like everything's okay. Uh, you never, whenever you go into your life group, and people ask for prayer requests. You don't ever just say, oh, I'm not saying, and just pretend like everything is okay, like you're not really an alcoholic, or you're not really about to go through a divorce, or you're not really looking at porn. You just put on that face. You just kind of act like everything's okay. There is a measure of hypocrisy um, that all of us have as human beings. It's not just Christians. All of us, we want to put our best foot forward. But what Jesus is warning about is warning us about having all of the externals of Christianity like they need to be because we wanna look good in front of our community of faith, having all the externals like they should be, but it not really being true, a true repre- a representation of who we are on the inside, that all we want is just a shallow praise of man. And that's a, the praise of man is so shallow. To to engage in spiritual things just for the praise and affirmation of man is like you going to work this week, and at the end of the month, your boss just patting you on the back and giving you a thumbs up and saying good job, but not really paying you. That's what the praise of man is like. It's a shallow shallow reward. It just goes away. And and here's, here's something that I think is important to say at this point. Most of us don't want to be hypocrites. We don't try to be hypocrites. But if we're not careful, we get involved in religion and we get involved in all these things. And we get busy with the religion that's around us and and all of the externals of, of our faith. And we quit doing what's most important and that is having a private, personal, secret relationship with God. And that gets, I don't know about you, but to think about that gets tiring. I think that's why a lot of Christians burn out. Listen, if you're in ministry here today, if you're a pastor, if you're on staff, if if you do ministry, if you're a deacon or if you're a life group leader, if you volunteer, if you work in the nursery, if you, you know, helping our, our security team or if you're a greeter or whatever it is that you do, if you do, if you if you participate in our in, in the external work of God. You are in danger of of walking in hypocrisy when you stop reading your Bible and stop praying and stop finding joy in a personal relationship with Jesus apart from the things that you do on the outside. And I think that's that's the, what's part of the warning that Jesus gives to us. And really, it just will we'll lead to burnout and tiredness. This is why a lot of people. Well, this is why a lot of people quit ministry. This is why a lot of people quit church. This is why a lot of people turn their back on God. Is because they think, it's, if they think it's all on the outside. Let's try all the outside stuff. I'll act moral, be religious, I'll do what I'm supposed to do. I'll start coming to church, and then, wait a minute, nothing's changing about my life. God's not doing for me what I want God to do for me. And so, and so we just end up quitting. Say, so, well, it just didn't work for me. That's not the way it's supposed to work. Jesus tells us how it's supposed to work. There is a measure of the way that we find God whenever we're around other people, but the true place that we find God, we find God in the secret, personal, private places of our life. When it's just us and when it's just Him. That's what Jesus says. Jesus says, when you give, when you fast, when you pray, He says, hey, go by yourself in a secret place. A, a secret hiding place. Just you and God and be there, be there with him. You see, we can, all the spirit, all the spiritual discipline, praying and giving and fasting, Jesus says there's a way we don't do it. And then Jesus tells us there's a way that we are suppo- that we are supposed to do it. And so it's with a different motivation. It's done in a different way and it has a completely different outcome. And also notice, Jesus didn't say, hey, uh, if you ever decide to start giving, here's a way to do it. If you ever, you know, come to the point where you say, you know, I'm going to pray, or maybe I might fast. He says, when you give, it's just assumed that as, as, as people that know Jesus, as his disciples, that we will be engaging in personal, private, devotional, spiritual disciplines with him. That we will be praying, not just if you pray, but when you pray. Not just if you give, but when you give. Not just if you fast, but when you fast. That Jesus says there's a way that we do it, and it's a personal, private way, not not for public praise, but so that we might experience the private presence of, of God. For many of you in your Christianity, this, what's, this is what's missing. You've, you've gotten to a point, maybe in a rhythm or a routine, where you've got the externals like they need to be. You're in a pattern and a rhythm of coming to church, and gathering, gathering for worship, being a part of a congregation. You've got a rhythm of, of, of finding a, 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 a life group. Maybe you're volunteering somewhere. You, you cleaned up a light, little, little sin out of you. You, know, you had this stuff, and now, you've, now, now you're working through it. You're doing better. It's not going to be long that you are going to crash and burn if you don't have a foundational, personal, intimate time with God that backs all of that up. That's, that's the way that our relationship, this, this is why we often talk about a personal relationship with God that's a foundation to all of the things on the outside. Now let me, t- let me tell you something that I saw in this passage. The Bible says, first off, it says God sees in secret. Three times, three times. It says God sees in secret. Not to mean that God doesn't see other things, and we know that God sees in secret, but this this, Seeing, this, this seeing that God sees what you're doing as you secretly, privately, personally practice spiritual disciplines. This seeing is not God seeing you from a distance. And the whole, listen, the whole reason that I wanted to preach this passage is because I, what I'm about to say next is something that I saw during my sabbatical. And I've stretched out into a 40-minute message, what could have been a 60-second message, I guess. But I saw something in this text during my sabbatical that I thought, I've never seen that, that before. It doesn't just say that God sees you from a distance while you're in secret practicing the spiritual disciplines. It says God is in secret. Two times. You see it right there at the, at the end of verse 6. It says your father who is in secret. And it says it right there also uh, towards the end of verse 18. Your father is in secret. It's not just that God sees you from a distance. It's the fact that God is there. This, this, this is not referring, don't miss this point, This is not referring to the omnipresence of God, God being everywhere. This is referring to the manifest presence of God in your life, if you will meet with him secretly and privately. This is the way that your Christianity was designed to work and Jesus is saying that God is there and he will be there with you if you'll, if, if you'll practice the spiritual disciplines in this way. Now how do we do that? How do we, somebody, I know some of you say, oh, I'm so busy, this, that, and the other, I hope I've already covered that. That busyness is not an excuse. Some of you say, well, I've tried that, but it just doesn't work. And I hope I've covered that. Maybe you haven't slowed your soul, stilled and quieted your soul like a, like a child with its mother. Maybe maybe you haven't gotten to that point yet. But you have to come to a point. You have to schedule some time with God. You have to say, I am going to have, and I just call it a quiet time. I will have a quiet time. I will have a personal time with God Every day. Every day. Set aside that time. Say, God, you and I are going to meet in secret. This is the way that relationships work. The truest part of your relationship, for example, if you're uh, if you're married, I can I can find your true relationship whenever it's just you and your spouse, privately alone by yourself. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna talk openly. It's, it's, well, maybe you won't. It's either good or it's either bad. You see, what we see in your relationships when you're around everybody else may or may not accurately represent your relationship with the person that you're married to. It might might be better than that or it might be worse than that, but whoever you are with each other when you're privately just you and you're sharing a relationship with each other and nobody else is around, that is the true relationship that exists. It's the same way with you and God. You can can gather for worship, you can do all the things that we do together, but your true relationship with God is found when you're in that private secret place, just you and Him talking. He talks to you, you talk to Him, and His manifest presence is supposed to be there. And if you want that, if you're lacking that, and you want that, you're going to have to set aside some time and say every day, every day I'm going to set aside some time, some specific time. I like, to, I like to call it a divine appointment. Make some divine appointments in your calendar. Hopefully you, hopefully you fulfilled your homework, those of you who were here last week. Hopefully you completed your homework and you did a time study of your life you looked at how much time you spend on your phone and how much you spend watching TV and how much you spend watching sports and how much you spend chasing your child all over the country, watching them play sports and all of the different extra amount of work that you do and all the extra, and I'm talking to myself now, all the extra hobbies, you know, that you like to do. I've got a lot of those. You've got a lot of, extra. hopefully you've done a time study And you can say, okay, me and God, we're going to have a divine appointment. Every single day, we're going to have a divine appointment. And then you have a spot, a place. We can just call it sacred space. A place where I'm going to go and I'm going to meet with God. You can do that every single day. Start with five minutes. Make 10 minutes. Make 15 minutes. Make 30 minutes. And before you know it, you're going to have extended time and where you are in the personal, manifest presence of God, and he's in your life, he's talking to you, you're talking to him, he reveals things through your word, he's answering your prayers, and it's real. Man, you want to talk about getting something out of worship, getting something out of a sermon, finding fulfillment in in serving God, uh, enjoying being with God's people, show up for church after having done that for an hour. And and then see how your connection with God is. This, This is the way that it's supposed to be lived out, but you have to put forth the effort, and the times can eventually be extended. And maybe it doesn't happen at your house. Maybe, maybe and some of you, some of you say no. I, I could give an hour a week. Some of you could say maybe I could take three days, um, uh, three days out of a month. You can extend. And sometimes these, sometimes these times can just be spontaneous. You're in a place at work or at home, and everybody, nobody, you just, you, nobody sees you or notices you. At a certain point, you, you just kind of, you just kind of slip out. and You just kind of go be with the Lord, and talk with Him and pray with Him. Quiet your soul. Find that space. Find that time with Him. Some of you probably thinking about a place right now that you could go and spend time with God. Years ago, when I was in college, I had a place where I liked to go, and there was a little monument that had the Ten Commandments, and and I have a picture of it in my office. And I used to, I would go there spontaneously. I might have an hour here, an hour there, and I would go there sometimes at night and sometimes during the day, and I would spend time. With the Lord, just, just me and the Lord. One time the police came. They said, what are you doing? And I said, well, this is just a place where I like to pray. And he said, okay. And he called another unit. And before you know it, I'm being patted down and they're searching the ground around me and they're searching my truck and doing all this other kind of stuff. And uh, they were like, uh, we're sorry. I said, told you, I'd just like to come here and, and, and pray. I'll pray for you. <laughs> Find a place, it can be, be some place away from your house. Some place where, where you, can, you can just go and be. It may be a place in your house. It may be uh, at night after everybody's gone to bed. It might be in the morning before everybody wakes up. It might be during lunchtime uh, while you're working. Find a place and be with God because there's a reward. There's a reward for it. That's what, that's what Jesus says in verse 4, verse 6, and verse 18. Jesus said, the hip, basically the hypocrite does it for the praise of man, and the reward is here and gone. He said, however, there's a reward for those of you who would find that secret place, be alone with God, and practice the spiritual discipline. Jesus said it. Three times. Jesus only has to say it one time in order for it to be true and in order for it to be a promise. He says it three times that we will be rewarded by God. Doesn't say what the, what the reward is, though. And honestly, I think I'm, I'm kind of glad it doesn't. But a reward is a wage that is earned, it's payment as a wage for something that is earned. Everywhere in Scripture, there's lots of different places in Scripture the Bible talks about rewards. This is one of them where God promises to reward you if you will secretly and privately be alone in silence and in solitude with Him. Three times God promises it. And somebody's saying, wait a minute, this whole wage thing, I thought we were under grace. There there are times whenever God says, you have have to make a decision. You've got to do something. And this is one of those times. Jesus tells us to do certain things and to do them a certain way. And God says that we will be rewarded. Promises that he will reward us. What is that reward? What is that reward? This kind, of, this, this kind of reminds me of like whenever, whenever we tell our children, we say, hey, I, I got a surprise for you. Or I got a surprise for you tomorrow. Hey, when y'all wake up, I got a surprise. And they're like, what, what is it? What, what, what's, the, what's the surprise? Well, you'll have, to, you'll have to wait to find out. And then it's like they get so excited, they just, they just can't wait. Or whenever they go to their grandparents' house. And they uh, they call their grandparents, and uh, the grandparents say, oh, I can't wait for y'all to come visit. I've got a surprise for you. And we don't know what it is, but we're so excited to go find out. My prayer is that you feel that way about your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right now. That he's promised. He's promised that he's going to do something for you, that he's going to reward you for it. Hadn't said what it is. But says he'll reward you for it. If you'll come and spend time with him, he will reward you. There'll be a wage, there'll be a reward for it. Don't know what it is. Why don't you go find out this week? Why don't you you make some time, schedule some time, and go find out what is that reward that Jesus promised that we could have with God if we'll go be alone with him in private. Let's stand together. Let's bow our head and let's pray. Let's bow our heads and let's, let's just talk to the Lord. I, I want you to make a plan with God right now. I want you to make plans for him, with Him. I want you to make a plan to spend some time with Him today or tomorrow or next week. And at some point, you, you, get, you get alone with Him, just you and Him. Maybe you're already doing this. Maybe this is already happening in your life. If this is not happening in your life, listen, your Christianity is not real. It's just on the outside. It's not on the inside. If this is not happening in your life, this, this is the step of faith that's for you right now. If you're not slowing your soul and clearing out space and time to be with Jesus in private and in secret, you're missing it, you're missing it. So I want you to take some moments if you want to come to the altar and pray, please do that. I want you to take some moments and I want you to schedule a time with God. I want you to schedule a time that you and him are going to meet and that you and him are going to be together. And if you if, if that's just never happened in your life, If you would say today, I have never, ever spent even one moment with God, not privately, not personally. I say, I I don't know him. I don't know him. Maybe you need to call on Jesus right now because when Jesus died on that cross, he tore that veil in the temple. You have complete and 100% total access to God any time that you want it, anywhere that you want it. Even right now, You can be with him and you can talk with him. You take a few moments and pray. Make a plan with God.